Hey everybody, this is Chiefs Beat writer Brooke Pryor, and we've got a special episode of Sports Beat KC for you today. I am joined by my former beat partners at The Oklahoman, Ryan Aber and columnist Barry Trammell, and we are going to break down the 2016 OU Texas Tech game, Mayfield Mahomes, first time around, ahead of their second meeting this weekend. I'm Ryan Aber, joined also by uh, Barry Trammelbrook. Uh, tell us why we're uh, doing this today. Yeah, so this actually, it couldn't have worked out better this week because the Chiefs are headed to Cleveland to play the Browns this weekend. I'm actually headed to Cleveland here in a few hours uh, to be boots on the ground there ahead of the game. And then also OU's playing Texas Tech this weekend. So not only can you guys preview this game, but we're also going to look back at the 2016 OU Texas Tech game, the one where each team had 854 offensive yards, and we were sitting in that press box for like, I think game time was four hours and 10 minutes. To this day, I don't know how we lasted that long, but we all got to witness pretty much the best game of offense, at least in college football history. Defense is another story. So we figured that we should go ahead and, and just relive that experience together all over again. Yeah, why not? And Brooke, you know, the first thing that I think about when this game is uh, some of your videography skills, uh, <laughs> because this was a big night for me. It was also the night when the Chicago Cubs made the World Series for the first time since 1945. So my uh, attentions were a little bit split for the first part of this game. And uh, you captured my reaction as uh, that series ended and the Cubs uh, broke, broke their streak and got back into the World Series. You know, that's exactly when I tell people about this game, because, you know, with this week, every it feels like everybody's writing their their own versions of what happened on that night in 2016. And I thought, well, yeah, I should have an edge here. I mean, I was at the game. I, I covered Baker Mayfield. Now I'm covering Patrick Mahomes. But as I thought about it, all I could think was, OK, what was the biggest thing that happened that night? Uh, the Cubs went to the World Series and Ryan Aber teared up next to me and I got it on video and I tweeted it. <laughs> It was on. It was. It, it was on the disgusting side, is what it was. I mean, uh, there's no crying in the press box. It was disgusting in the press box. Barry on the field. I read what, back what you wrote. You called the game an abomination. So and historically bad. So I guess it was just a gross night all around. Well, it was an abomination. It it was fun though. We have to say not all abominations are uh, sober. That was uh, about as wild of a football game as any of us will ever see. And what I remember is you just couldn't – you almost couldn't believe it. Are they really going to score again in two plays, in four plays? Is Patrick Mahomes really going to shed three tacklers and, and, and throw a 24-yard pass? I mean, it was just, it was just uh, remarkable all the way around, the lack of defense, particularly in that second half. Yeah, when – Brooke, when did you realize that this game was just out of control? I think obviously all of us expected a lot of offense going into this game. We didn't expect what happened, but when did you first get a sense that this was just uh, an out of the norm uh, situation? I feel like, you know, I'm trying to think of specific plays, but I, so the other day I actually watched the game again. Um, or really I watched the first half and then I fell asleep at halftime, um, because that happens even when you watch replays. Um, but I 
remember when I was rewatching that first half, it wasn't that crazy. Like Mahomes <coughs> looked good, but not great. He didn't at that point, he wasn't completely taking over the game, but I think it was about the third quarter that he started to get this momentum. And then it felt like it was completely off the rails in the fourth quarter when Texas tech, I think I'm got to pull up the, the score book here, but they got the game, got the game kind of close. And that's when, you know, each team's in the fifties. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Like this game should have been over when OU got up to a big lead. And then Texas tech and Patrick Mahomes just kept coming back and kept coming back. Was there a moment for you that, that you remember that you were just like, what is going on? Yeah. I think for me, the, the first realization of it was the Nick Basquin touchdown right at the end of the first half after, mm-hmm. you know, tech goes down and scores and, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes hits, I think it was Jonathan Giles, for a 20th year, a touchdown with 37 seconds right. left in the first half. Tech looks like they're going to take a 24-23 lead, and then, bam, OU scores 20 seconds later on the second play of that drive, I think, uh, the, the 23-yard pass uh, from uh, from Baker right. Mayfield to Nick Basquin, which, weirdly enough, I'm sitting here looking at the uh, scoring summary, was the third of four consecutive 23-yard scoring plays. That is really weird. Austin Seibert, 23-yard uh, field goal. Giles, 23-yard pass from Mahomes. Basquin, 23-yard pass from Mayfield. D.D. Westbrook, 23-yard pass from Mayfield. And then it's a 32-yard pass from Mahomes, so they just switched the numbers, <laughs> which just makes it even more like some kind of hex or something was going on that night in Lubbock. It, it was wild. Uh, what about you, Barry? I think you might have uh, mentioned – this in your column the other day. What? Uh, when did you first realize something was well, different here? I actually was the eternal optimist. You know, the Bobby A. Bear's right. It's it's thirty twenty four at halftime. The Sooners are lucky to be there because that before that twenty three yard touchdown pass to Basquin, you know, it looks like they might have to run out the clock, and instead Baker throws a fifty two yard pass to D. D. Westbrook to set up the touchdown. <laughs> so it's thirty twenty four at halftime. They come out for the third quarter. Tech, Tech puts its offense on the field, and the most remarkable thing happened. <laughs> Three and out. Yes. Tech trots out its punter, and the Red Raiders punted the ball. In retrospect, it was the worst coaching decision, uh, you know, maybe since that Seahawk uh, New England Super Bowl. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so the Sooners have the ball in the lead, and – that was the last punt of the game. That was the last stop of the game. I remember thinking, you know, maybe this game's going to settle down. Maybe Mike Stoops is going to, you know, earn some uh, chops for his defense in this in this quarter in this half. Um, maybe, <laughs> How maybe the, you would be. Maybe the Sooners are going to go ahead and win this game seventy to to thirty one. It was the first. <laughs> instead, the Sooners take that punt, drive down the field, and score. It was the first of ten straight. <laughs> touchdown drives by the teams combined for the rest of the game the second half was 35 30 well it wasn't 35 35 somebody went for two but it was uh the the Sooners went for two so it was 36 35 in the second half Oklahoma over Tech so uh the net the only the only stop the rest of the game was the final gun Oklahoma had the ball and was running out the clock with a seven point lead it was just offense, 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 and it was 
I remember thinking in the fourth quarter, man, that was silly of me to think, hey, we might have we might have some semblance of normalcy in this game. <laughs> yeah, and the longest of those drives was three minutes and forty nine seconds. Everything else was was really quick strike. Uh, a lot of uh, drives in the two-minute range. A couple of them yep. stretched over three. Several of them were less than two, but it was just bam, bam, bam. Even uh, uh, Texas Tech's long drive, which was that 349 drive, 11 plays ran in that 349. So it was just rapid fire, uh, get after it. And uh, it was a bad, bad day for defense. I just remember laughing, at, especially late in the third quarter, when they started, when the scoring just seemed to pick up and well, it picked up the entire time, but the Texas tech touchdown with a minute and a half left in the third, let's see, which one was that, which one of the 10 was that, uh, that was, Oh, that was a, that was an OU touchdown Baker to, to, um, Dimitri flowers, which I think that one broke his touchdown record at that point that he had set the week before at K state, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just remember laughing, you know, like how this game is just crossed into absurdity and defense. I mean, I will forever be haunted by Jordan Evans missed tackles. I think he will too. (laughs) Um, Granted he's starting in the NFL now or starts at times when there's injuries, had an interception last week. So like his, his life has rebounded. Okay. But that was bad. And seeing those guys afterward, well, I mean, we can go into more detail about this, but the, the locker room afterward was the weirdest in post-game <laughs> environment I felt like I'd ever seen. That Lincoln Riley, I read one of his quotes from the paper that day, said, it's the best, the, the most well-rounded, balanced performance, most complete offensive performance we've had. And good thing he put offensive because as the team as a whole was not, you know, not a complete performance at all. And the defense is walking around acting like they just, you know, lost the game and lost OU's chances at a at a playoff berth. Yeah. Um, that was weird. Yeah, I remember uh, sitting outside the locker room and you talked to Jordan Evans and uh, how defeated he sounded. And I don't know, Brooke, if you remember him coming out, the, the I think it was the next Monday after that, he came mm-hmm. to the uh, uh, media luncheon and talked about how his dad – Pretty much told him he better shape up both on the field and just the way I think he had to told him to take out his earring. I think didn't yep. tell him to change his hair. Yep. Um, he had had it braided and I think he shaved it right or yeah. had had it or or put it into braids, one of the two. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is I actually talked to Jordan about that in the week leading up to the Chiefs Bengals game. So two weeks ago. Um, and asked him about that game. And that was the first thing he brought up. He said, I don't, I don't remember, but I told you that week about my dad telling me to take out my earrings and change my look and get serious. And he's like, that game was kind of a turning point for me. And I said, so Patrick Mahomes is responsible for you being a, a better player. And he said, I wouldn't go that far. He said, I, there were, there were some things that I did too, but that game was a huge wake up call for him and for the defense. He was front and center on what I remember about the game. And, and Lincoln Riley reminded me of this, um, uh, last week when when we asked him about that game basically the offenses were unstoppable you know especially that second half everybody scoring every possession but what Lincoln said is we the Sooners the Sooners scored sort of on schedule in other words the plays that Lincoln called worked 
D.D. Uh, Westbrook got open. Joe Mixon, big holes. Uh, you know, the offense was working. Texas Tech's offense wasn't all that well-oiled in terms of, of uh, exactly what they called uh, being effective. What happened was Patrick Mahomes just ran around and turned the game into Sandlot football. Mm-hmm. And, and a bunch of guys are chasing him, uh, Jordan Evans among them, and, and uh, he's, just, he's just running around, avoiding the rush, making plays, and getting off passes, many of them on third down. Tech goes 20 of 25 on third down conversions <laughs> that night, and Tech was keeping up with the Sooners, but it was mostly because Patrick Mahomes was just making something happen out of chaos. The Sooners were pristine. They were just, you know, A, B, C, D, touchdown. Tech was, you know, basically a bunch of scribbles out there. And, and Patrick <laughs> Mahomes uh, making something happen uh, and ending up, ending up in the end zone. Yeah, he, had, he attempted 88 passes and threw for 734 yards and five touchdowns, which is just insane. And I talked with Cliff Kingsbury last week, and I'd heard rumors that Tech ran out of offensive plays in that game. And I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, it's true. We went through our entire play sheet, and they started calling just basic stuff and telling Mahomes, you know, make something happen, essentially, and, and letting giving him some more freedom because that's how many plays they were calling that it just got to that point where they're like, all right, we've, we've got to come up with something right now. We're, we're, we're gone, we've gone off script because we've exhausted the whole script. It was – just insane. Well, you mentioned that's, that's the, the only you, word I know to use. <laughs> you mentioned the eighty-eight throws. the The stat mm-hmm. that bo- that boggles my mind the most from that night: Patrick Mahomes had a hundred plays. I don't mean a hundred <laughs> snaps. I mean a hundred rushes and passes. One hundred <laughs> combined rushes and passes. That's a record. I don't see anybody ever coming close to on any level of football. Nor should anyone come close to it. That's, I mean, it's amazing that he didn't just fall apart the second he walked off the field. It was incredible. Brooke, what, uh, what's Patrick Mahomes say about the way he remembers that night? You know, he's, he's talked a little bit about it. He mentioned, you know, about how just tired he was, how he felt like, you know, his arm was going to fall off, that kind of thing. <laughs> I wonder um, why. You know, after that. Um, but we haven't talked about it a ton. I think a lot of people were waiting for this week to get into it. He hasn't talked this week. He'll talk on Wednesday. Um, but I did talk to him about what he remembered about Texas Tech and about Baker. And they actually overlapped a little bit while Patrick was being recruited. Um, and there are conflicting reports on this. I've read some places that say that Baker was Patrick's host for an official visit weekend. And then I've read others that say Davis Webb was the official host. So I asked Patrick about Baker and he said, yep, he was my host. Um, You know, they hung out all weekend. They played Madden with Davis Webb afterward. And then I talked to Davis Webb last week and Davis Webb said, no, I was the host, but Baker was there too. And (laughs) by the way, I beat Patrick at Madden and 2K and anything else they played. So everybody, I guess, is trying to take credit for hosting Patrick Mahomes. Um, which, you know, I guess I would want to take credit for that too, (laughs) but it's, it's definitely, you know, his history at tech is really interesting and I'm sure he's going to be asked a lot this week about that game. Yeah. And and Brooke, we were talking about this before we got started off, uh, off a recording and, uh, 
the storyline going into this game was Baker Mayfield's return to Lubbock as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, we he had been to Lubbock the year before as the the OU's walk on the year he had to sit out and got a really harsh reception, but it wasn't quite as harsh. Although some people had some pictures, some shirt t shirts and and things like that. But as this game started going on and as uh, Baker Mayfield started doing Baker Mayfield things that that rhetoric sort of uh, started steamrolling a little bit. Right. Well, because with the late deadlines that night or with, with the late game start and our early deadlines that night, some inside baseball stuff, we had to already have a story filed before the game was over. So I think at halftime I had to go ahead and send the story and the story had, you know, wasn't going to depend on the outcome of the game. And I was supposed to write about the reception of Baker of Texas tech fans and Baker Mayfield, how Texas tech fans were receiving Baker. And I remember walking out of the stadium and talking to some fans who were tailgating and they were all kind of nice about it. Maybe I just talked to the wrong ones, but they said, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. We're glad he's succeeding at OU. Um, we're not really here to see him. We want to see Patrick Mahomes, you know, whatever it was, they were just kind of like, eh, yeah, he's here, but that didn't feel like it was the storyline. And then, like you said, we, got down on the field before the game. We saw some of the t-shirts. They were the trader t-shirts that Baker then wore. What was it during the Rose bowl? He came in wearing that shirt when he was just in rare form. Yeah. Um, of course he did. And then, you know, but that even so like some guys were just like, yeah, we wore it Cause it was funny. Not because they really hated him, but then in the fourth quarter. So we filed the story at halftime story goes live. And I wrote that it was, you know, not all that of a vicious, you know, return for him. The fourth quarter, I believe he picked up um, a penalty going out of bounds, an unsportsmanlike maybe. And at that point, that's when the, the FU Baker chant started. And, or at least got loud enough that we could hear them. And it got pretty rowdy there and pretty hostile toward him. So it felt like the whole attitude toward him just kind of shifted at that point, or at least, like I said, gained enough momentum that it was loud enough. And all of a sudden, it wasn't the nice well, welcome homecoming return, whatever it is you want to call it, that, that he had for a little bit. Yeah, that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct happened. And, of course, it didn't slow down OU a bit because they scored, uh, what was it, four plays later, uh, thanks to a 42-yard run by Joe Mixon, who it seemed like Joe Mixon is the overlooked uh, character in this game, given <laughs> Just crazy to say, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, obviously a lot made of Patrick uh, Mahomes and, and Baker Mayfield, and rightfully so. But how about the game Joe Mixon had? You just look at his numbers. He rushed for two hundred and sixty-three yards and threw and caught uh, another hundred and fourteen yards uh, worth worth of passes from Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield only threw 27 or only completed 27 passes in this game, only threw 36, so significantly less than half of what Patrick Mahomes was asked to do. And that's because they really relied on Joe Mixon, 31 carries in this game, uh, 263 yards, couple touchdowns on the ground, uh, 8.5 yards per carry, and also uh, one of the best touchdown catches we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, well, and if you remember, we hadn't been able to talk to him 
and to that point. Um, and Barry, I think, wasn't it your task to go try to track down Joe Mixon and see if somebody could be a pool reporter and talk to him about this crazy game that he'd had? Yes, and uh, OU agreed to the deal, and then Joe backed out. Joe initially agreed, and then he backed out, perhaps when he saw that I was the pool reporter. Maybe that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I said it as a funny line, but I think it was probably true. I think somebody else would have had better luck. <laughs> So you're right. That was that delayed the uh, the debut of Joe Mixon's voice in the state of Oklahoma, which I think might have. Did we finally get him the next week? Um, I with think so. John Shin, I think uh, that's talking right. to I him. Believe that's I think right. that, I think that is right. I think that is right. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a wild night. Um, here's what I've always wondered, guys. When I think about that whole game and that whole saga. You know, what if Baker Mayfield had stayed in Lubbock? It's pretty clear he's, you know, he's a pretty good quarterback. Kingsbury's good with quarterback. Kingsbury would have figured it out, and Baker would eventually have become become the tech quarterback. So let's say Mahomes, and I I don't think Mahomes was going to be scared off by anybody, so I assume he's going to tech. So let's say he gets to tech there in, uh, in 14 and 15, and there's Baker Mayfield in front of him. You know, I don't know what Kingsbury does with the quarterback race, but any chance that if Mayfield had stayed, it would have impeded the development of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a good chance it might have pushed him back one year, maybe with the, with his development. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Brooke? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think that that's a good point. He didn't. I'm trying to look up um, exactly what it was, but he didn't have a ton of starting experience at Texas tech, even as it was, I think wasn't it only one full year, two full years of starter as a yeah, starter. He, he played a little as a freshman in 14 and then basically won the job early in 15, 15 and, and played, then, played all of 15 and 16, 16 at a really high, yeah. high level. I think it, it may have had him coming back for his senior year that he wouldn't have left the draft. We wouldn't have left for the draft when he did, if, if Baker had stayed. And at that point, you know, that kind of changes the whole course of his his career. I mean, if he stays another year, he probably doesn't go to the Chiefs. You know, then he and I guess Baker would what, what, it could have flipped. What if Baker Mayfield had been at the Chiefs? He would have come out the year that Mahomes ended up coming out. It's Brooke. And here's, Mahomes, here's your next project: crazy. the transfer that changed it all. With we oh we, we we wrote there about the the play that changed it all a couple times. Baker Mayfield, the transfer that changed it all in Kansas City. No kidding. I mean, just dive down that wormhole. Like, we could be covering Baker Mayfield in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes in Cleveland. Well, at the very least, Kansas City fans need to hold Baker Mayfield in the, as high a regard as the Buffalo Bill <laughs> fans hold Andy Dalton, you know, still, still making contributions to his foundation <laughs> for beating the Ravens last season. I don't know that they're going to do that, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, no. This is a really good budding rivalry in terms of quarterbacks. Um, Kansas City looks like they're going to be as good as Mahomes and Andy Reid are around. Cleveland, who knows? I'm not confident because of the dysfunction of the organization, but they've got a chance to to be better. These are the kind of quarterbacks that could go head to head. You know, meeting fairly regularly in the AFC for 8, 10, 12 years. And that's the thing that kind of stinks is that this does kind of feel like it could be 
I don't even want to say the first chapter because the first chapter happened, you know, in 2016, but maybe the second chapter of what could be a, a Brady Manning type rivalry. But unfortunately, Mayfield's playing for an organization that's just so dysfunctional that even, you know, he could end up being on the Patrick Mahomes side of things this time where he individually has a pretty insane game, but the rest of the team around him just can't get it done. The defense, the defense can't get it done. And Mahomes comes out on top because he's at a superior organization and a team that, you know, didn't just fire their head coach and offensive coordinator six days earlier. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what direction the Cleveland Browns take and how that affects Baker Mayfield's development. I think everybody's been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do individually so far. But uh, that could certainly take a step backwards, depending on what uh, the Browns do moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that, well, it was interesting talking with Andy Reid yesterday. Right before he got on the podium, it was announced, or, or Adam Schefter broke, that he had been fired. And somebody asked him about that and said, you know, how are you concerned that they're going to change what they're doing because they fired their head coach? And Andy said, well, no, they still have the same defensive coordinator and same offensive coordinator. And we had to interrupt <laughs> him and say, well, actually, <laughs> they do not have the same <laughs> offensive coordinator. They could change everything. Um, and I mean, it, I, I don't know how much it will change things because I don't know. I don't know what Freddie Kitchens is about. I honestly hadn't heard of him until about noon yesterday. Um, never, you know, never crossed my mind. And I, it'll be interesting to see how he works with Mayfield. Um, I saw people suggesting that maybe Baker will just coach himself and also play, um, or maybe Lincoln will leave OU and come to the Browns. <laughs> well, that was any number of things. Brooke, that was the first question at Lincoln's press conference yesterday. Was about the Cleveland Browns, which I think all, everybody expected that it would be asked in the first couple of couple of three questions. First one, but, who well, asked? Well, it? here here's what happened. And oh, the uh, the <laughs> Kansas City uh, legend <laughs> Al Ashbeck. <laughs> Be because Good. because Lincoln Riley stole Al's thunder in the intro and gave the injury report, so oh. th there wasn't the uh, "what's your injury situation" question to be asked. So Al had to come up with something on the fly, and he asked about uh, the Cleveland Browns job. And what did Lincoln say to that? He gave a really good answer, I thought. He basically said, I don't want to lie to people. I'm not wanting to sit up here and say never, ever, never, never. Because he said, you don't know what will happen. You don't know what the future holds. But he said, I'm really happy at Oklahoma. I love it here. I love college football. I thought he handled it about as well as anybody could. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. Was really direct about it. He didn't pull a Nick Saban when he was at LSU talking about the Miami Dolphins job. He said that, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, but for right now, he cared about Oklahoma and college football too much, to which Barry asked him, What do you love about Oklahoma? What do you love about college football? So uh, I, I thought it was a good answer, and, and he knew it was coming, but he handled it pretty well. I saw one quote where he said something like, I could care less about the NFL. <laughs> Which can someone please please give the man a lesson on could care and couldn't care because that it just well, well maybe maybe my ears. hey maybe he meant what he said <laughs> Tobacco Road you never know maybe and maybe Roy Williams infinitely <laughs> said I could give a you know what about North Carolina and then he ended up in North Carolina yeah and Brooke uh, if you notice I when I tweeted that quote yesterday I added the in apostrophe t in uh, parentheses bless you for doing that somebody's got to tell him as i had the uh weird al song 
word crimes running <laughs> through my head. I mean, look, the man's an offensive genius, but grammar and figuring <laughs> out idioms, it's not all the way there. Although I, I will say that for the sake of if, if we really want this Brady Manning or Rogers uh, Brady rivalry to bud between Mahomes and Mayfield, then we really need Lincoln Riley to get to the Browns. Because at this <laughs> point, that feels like the only thing that's going to make this really happen. Greg Williams is not going to be the guy that coaxes Baker Mayfield to becoming, you know, the next all time great. Yeah. Barry, what do you think about Lincoln Riley and any NFL talk? I mean, there's obviously the Cleveland Browns job kicked it up. There's a lot of talk yesterday about Lincoln Riley's NFL potential. You know, there's all this talk about McVay and everything that's happening with the Rams. Uh, his name got mentioned with the Dallas Cowboys with the, some odds that came out the other day. Here's what I think. He's a hot topic, no doubt about it. McVeigh makes everybody in the NFL want to hire a 30-something-year-old whiz kid. But on the radio last night, I pointed out, you know, with apologies to to uh, the Rams and McVeigh, um, you know, the, the second-best offense in the league is in New Orleans. And Sean Payton's not any kind of spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the best offense in the league is run by a guy who's been around forever and has been and been producing these kind of offenses and these kind of quarterbacks and this kind of production for 20 years as a head coach and that's Andy Reid. So, you know, before we before we say in the the way to greatness is hire somebody that's uh, younger than your quarterback, maybe remember that there's all kinds of coaches out there that can succeed. Andy Reid in Kansas City <laughs> is Exhibit A. Barry knows how to play to an audience. <laughs> I was going to say, Barry, you're going to get so many Twitter followers that you'll never see because you're not on Twitter that often, but they're going to just come flocking over. Well, it's a, uh, it's a, it, it, Reid has done a remarkable job. And the insight he had to me in wanting Mahomes, you know, Mahomes was not a, 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 a surefire draft pick in terms of, you know, not he wasn't look at look at the hoopla over these four guys in this last draft. People scrambling to get into the top ten with Darnold and, and Mayfield and Rosen and Allen. And Mahomes really wasn't on that level, even though he was in a class where the quarterbacking was not as deep. And and yet Andy Reid said, Hey, I like that guy, let's get him and even concocted a plan to bring him along very slowly. Then make a trade. Will you trade a winning quarterback? That doesn't happen much in the NFL. Um, people don't trade winning quarterbacks. Reed did it with uh, with Alex Smith, and clearly knew exactly what he was doing. So, um, you know, if if Lincoln Riley can have anywhere near the kind of uh, career that Andy Reid's had, he's gonna be, he's gonna be doing well. No yeah, well, I would say so. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's chat about the NFL potential that was on the field uh, that night in 2016. Could be one NFL coach, could definitely a couple players. Uh, so we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff. And if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. 
It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass. So let's look at, I was talking to uh, to Cliff Kingsbury and, and some of the other guys from Tech that were talking about this game, and they just said that they were in awe of all the NFL talent that ended up being on the field that night. When you guys were watching it, do you remember thinking, wow, we're definitely going to see these guys in the NFL one day? Did that cross your mind, or were we all just scrambling to hit deadline and, and make sure that we had everything filed away? Well, I, I think, obviously, you knew that uh, Patrick Mahomes had that potential and and on Oklahoma's side, I think we had started to figure out just how good D.D. Westbrook was and how incredible he was. Same thing for Joe Mixon. I, I think there was little doubt that he was going to be in the NFL someday. But uh, I, I don't think any of us realized, one, what Baker Mayfield would become. Because let's remember, you know, even after the 2017 season, as great as it was, there were those of us, and I say those of us because I was the one who asked it at Big 12 Media Day. Mm-hmm. Baker is is the reason that you came back or fought so hard for that extra year because, uh, you know, he, he had a year taken away by Big 12 rule that eventually got restored that helped him play in 2017. I said, Baker is the reason you fought so hard for that extra year because of these NFL predictions and, you know, was he going to be a mid-round pick? You know, I think I, I predicted him to be, I think, a third-round pick, and I was one of the highest mm-hmm. out of the group. Nobody on our staff and, and hardly anybody around thought going into last year, a year after this game, that Baker Mayfield would be anywhere close to a number one pick in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I'm i completely with you. Yeah, we, I don't even remember the night of. I didn't think he was going to be the number one pick. I thought for sure it would be Sam Darnold. Um, so I remember scrambling to quickly write that story. Um, and then as far as Patrick Mahomes goes, I mean, I think I, he was easy to forget about because he was in Lubbock and because he wasn't on a team that was winning and that was, you know, in the playoff hunt and everything else. He just kind of felt like this novelty, this, this college football, big 12 novelty of, wow, look at this guy. He's got this arm. He's in the Big 12. It's a bad, it's a conference with bad defense. You know, maybe it'll work out well in the NFL, but it still felt like he was pretty forgotten in the national scope of things. And he was, you know, an unknown even going into the combine. And a little bit after that, um, I remember hearing that, you know, his, his agents are having to try to set him up with interviews and, you know, making sure that that they're getting their guys some publicity and everything. And, now, I mean, they're turning down stuff every single day and they're and, you know, people are getting extra interviews with him at the facility and everything else because he's just become this phenom after a year of sitting on the bench. You know, Kansas City trades up to get him. Uh, he is kind of mentored by Alex Smith. They trade him away. And now he starts and has this instant success. And, you know, I think people thought he was going to be good. I feel like watching him that night, I thought, you know, he's this guy's good, but can he really make it the next level? And Sure enough, here he is, you know, quarterbacking a seven and one team and being talked about seriously in the MVP race and not as kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this happened? I mean, it's there's still a lot of football left, but he's firmly in that race, if not near the top of it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's easy to forget. I didn't even mention him earlier. Kiki QT and the game that he mm-hmm. had 
uh, in that game with, uh, gosh, what was it, 172 uh, receiving yards, one touchdown on 10 catches. So uh, yeah. a massive day for him as well, and he's uh, he's doing okay for himself in, with the Texans. Yes, although now they've there's been a trade, and it's uh, uh, Demarius Thomas is headed there, so he'll take some some catches away from Kiki. But still, the the season that he's had coming out, I mean, the it's just kind of incredible to look back and look at all the guys, and the fact that there's even some some guys on defense that ended up making it in the league. Jordan Evans being one of them, um, which, like we said during that game, didn't necessarily think that that was going to happen. Um, I think that's the only real notable defensive guy. Yeah, because Okoronkwo, Oka- uh, yeah, o- Okoronkwo will probably wind up playing some. He's uh, been banged up and is working his way back. Um, Ahmad Thomas was around for a little bit, not very yeah. much. You know, you bring up Oka- Obo, and that's something that I don't think we talked about earlier when we were talking about the post game of that game. But uh, I remember, I think you might have been in the interview room. While I was mm-hmm. waiting outside the locker room, and all of a sudden, Oboe's brought out on a stretcher. Um, right, that's right. For just complete exhaustion, uh, pretty much, uh, a- after that game, and uh, just really took it out of him. We're scrambling around trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with him, why, uh, why did he have to be carted off, and uh, finally uh, figured out some answers in the, the couple days afterwards, but just, uh, a crazy, crazy deal. Right. Well, and that's, you know, kind of an interesting, um, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing, although it's probably just coincidence, but back in uh, the the first Broncos game with the Chiefs, um, Chris Harris Jr. came out and after the game, it turned out he was exhausted chasing Mahomes around and had to finish the game with an IV. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been exhausting defenses for years, and those are two pretty good examples of that happening. Well, that's that's the thing when I talked earlier about it, just sort of the sandlot nature of, of Patrick Mahomes. He wears out a defense in not just physically, but emotionally as well because of the plays he makes and the success he has. But the way he does it wears you out physically in terms of, you know, in, in, uh, Oh, the the air raid type offenses of college, but also in the NFL, you know, long drives that continue to to uh, to hit first down after first down. Defensive linemen are gassed after about five or six of those plays, and uh, a full game of that, it, which is what Mahomes is doing to the Chiefs, and certainly what he did to the Sooners that night, just wears out a defense, and that's sort of the hidden one of the hidden benefits of having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. The the residual effect on the opponent besides just the seven points he tends to put up. Yeah, exactly. Well, this weekend he'll be trying to exhaust the Cleveland Browns defense. Baker Mayfield will be trying to exhaust uh, the Chiefs defense. Both, well, the Chiefs especially remind me a lot of that OU team. Their defense is a little bit better, but not by much. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL, coupled with one of the best offenses. So like I'm covering OU all over again um, but you'll watch uh, Kyler Murray get to go into Lubbock this weekend hopefully that game doesn't end up lasting about four hours because uh, that would be brutal. It's another 7 o'clock tip same as uh, last time 
Well, the good news is you won't have to worry about writing about anybody yelling F you Kyler because they have no reason to other than he's really good. Yeah, it's not College Station. The Sooners went and got their quarterback from a different Texas school this time. <laughs> That's the key. You have to go out of conference yeah. to avoid that yeah. uh, in the future. But on that note, we'll wrap up here. Barry and Ryan, thanks so much for, for doing this joint podcast venture. Um, I'm sure that in the future years, as there are more Mayfield-Mahomes battles, we'll you know start this up as often as we can. Um, and I hope that listeners at The Oklahoman enjoy hearing my voice. And I'm sure listeners at The Star really enjoyed having your input. Uh, and people can follow your work at newsok.com. They can follow our work at kansascity.com. So until next time, catch everything there and in the paper every morning. <laughs>